0: Have you ever arrived home at the end of a busy day and your kids are hangry? You're standing there at the refrigerator and thinking, what in the world am I gonna fix this family? Or did you stop by and pick up some fast food or maybe a pizza on the way home? Well, today we will talk about some great and nutritious meals you can fix for you and your family.
1: Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another.
0: Hi, and welcome to the American Mothers Mom-to-Mom podcast. I am your host, Deanne Taylor. Today, I'm so excited to have as a special guest, Jennifer Harrington. She has been a physician's assistant for over 22 years. She has cared for underserved patients in homeless areas, rural Appalachia, inner city regions, and in developing countries. She now serves as an assistant dean and PA program director. She impacts the lives of others by teaching future medical providers to be devoted to preventative patient care. Jennifer has recently been selected as a PA Foundation Nutrition Outreach Fellow and has been given the task to educate patients, the community, and providers across the nation about nutrition topics. Jennifer, we are honestly honored to have you with us today and to share with our listeners how to feed their families better and healthier meals welcome.
2: Thank you, Dan. I'm so happy to be here and I hope I can help out some moms today who are struggling with these topics.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't have much more than one daughter and my husband to feed, but I face some of those things after working all day or whatever. Every day, three meals a day, it just gets overwhelming sometimes. And sometimes it's just stop by and pick up something on the way home. So where do we go from there? (laughs)
2: Yes. So one of the things I guess you want to think of when you're trying to plan meals, right? And that's the biggest struggle, you know, getting all those meals throughout the week. It's okay to have some go-to meals that you make every week that everybody likes in the family and just plan ahead with those and prepare them maybe on the weekend before. So you're not tempted to stop by and pick up a pizza on the way home because you already have everything ready for that.
0: That's a good idea right now I'm feeling maybe I should make a double batch of spaghetti and then maybe freeze the sauce and I could make up the noodles quickly. But if I freeze the sauce, that doesn't damage nutrition value of it, does it?
2: No, not much, not significantly enough to impact the nutritional value. So I highly recommend that. A lot of times I'll make a huge meal just so I can freeze the extra and have those frozen meals for nights that I know that I'm not going to be available to cook.
0: I also used to do menus. When I had my children at home, I would do menus two weeks at a time. Then I just mm-hmm. reuse them every two weeks. It may change the days out. I know some families, every Tuesday's spaghetti. Every Wednesday is tacos or something like that. You know what I'm saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In your experience, does that get old for families?
2: It might get old for parents, but kids like repetition. And actually I find that kids, almost prefer that type of, they know what to expect. They know it's something they like. They know they're going to have it every Wednesday. That's something almost to create a family tradition.
0: That's a good idea. You had some ideas, three to five go-to meals while we're talking about meals. Do you want to give us some ideas Mm -hmm. on that?
2: One thing I like to do is I I create something called a Power Bowl. People call it different things, but I call it a Power Bowl. And that's a really fun meal for a family because I have four kids. We've got picky eaters. We have kids that'll eat one thing and not eat another. And then the other kid likes the thing that that kid doesn't like and likes another So the Power Bowl has a base that's a protein filled kind of grain. So we'll use like a quinoa or a farro or sometimes a millet, bulgur wheat, something like that, cook it up. And that's the base, sometimes a rice or a brown rice or mixed rice. And then on the top of that, the kids can really put whatever they want. So it's almost like a salad bar on a bowl. So, and we always have a bunch of different, maybe sauteed vegetables. The boys like hot peppers. So we have hot peppers out and just all kinds of different toppings beans nuts avocados so it makes the whole family happy because they get to assemble it themselves and it's really easy to put together
0: that kind of reminds me of going to a salad bar or a buffet type of a meal does it take you a lot of time to prepare all those little extra things that you know your children are going to like because I was raised you eat what's in front of you and what's on your plate but today (laughs) There are so many dietary issues, allergies, and things like that. Mothers have to be aware of those things too. So it sounds like your idea of having a basic underlying quinoa or whatever, or rice, whatever grain is good, that will be healthy for them, that's a good foundation for them to put on whatever they want. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess you have to figure out what your family likes and what is best for you as a family to put things together that isn't gonna put mothers working all night in the kitchen too, right?
2: Yes. And I I think a lot of the stuff that I use for my Power Bowl are things that are really easy. Like I'll pull out salsa or those sweet banana peppers that are already in a jar. So it's just a matter of olives. The boys like to put olives on theirs. I have a daughter who won't eat meat. So we always get a can of beans and drain it and put it out, whether it's chickpeas or black beans or whatever. She'll eat most beans, but not meat. So sometimes if it's a busy night, I'll get those prepared chicken, like the little grilled chicken bits that you can get. So the, the meat eaters in the family can put that on top of their quinoa. So everybody has something. But I think when we first did this, I put a ton of choices out, realized that not everybody's eating all these things. So I'm going to, next time, we're just going to do the ones that everybody likes. And that way we won't have too many. If you get everybody to to kind of just hey get out of the freezer what you want on your powerball tonight it makes it that much easier we could almost have i mean the longest part is cooking the grain but once that grain is going and i tell everybody get whatever toppings out you want it it's done by the time the grain is cooked and everybody has something
0: that is a really really good idea so do you have any other ideas for quick meals for moms like that
2: well, the one thing we like to do in our family, and, and this is this will be a little different for every family depending on what you like to eat, but every Sunday, and I just, today's Sunday, and I, we just, I just got, right before I came here, I got finished making my big pot of soup. And that big pot of soup is not for today. It's for the days of the week when we realize, ooh, we can't cook tonight. We need to throw something on. So we always, on Sunday, make a big pot of soup. And a lot of times, it's just leftovers, whatever veggies we have in the refrigerator, some extra taco meat went in this week's soup that we had tacos for lunch. So it's just a matter of what's available, but it's really nice to have a go-to big pot of something for those nights that you don't have time.
0: That's a really good idea. I I have done something similar to that, but I haven't been as thoughtful about it as you have. But I I remember during the week, sometimes I go, we've got extra meat, we've got extra vegetables, let's just throw it together and We're having soup, pulling a little broth or something and give it a little bit more flavor. I think we could be more creative maybe in how we pull things together for our family. Because if they've already eaten it, it's in the refrigerator, they'll probably eat it together. I need to ask you a question. What is your opinion mothers should do for people who will not eat leftovers? I know there are some, especially some husbands, that will not eat leftovers. Do you have any idea how to handle
2: that? So um, my husband is one of those who does not like leftovers, but I think it's figuring out why they don't like them. He just doesn't like to repeat the same meal multiple days. But if I take that taco meat and put it in a soup and it's a whole different meal and we're adding different vegetables, he's fine with it. So if they're fine with a leftover used as an ingredient in the next day's meal, then that might be a good way to use those leftovers up. So that's a good idea. The other tricky thing I'll do, don't tell my husband, but I'll freeze that meal because I know he doesn't want that same thing again. I'm going to freeze it and I'll pull it out in a couple weeks and it's its a new meal. He doesn't remember he had it a few weeks ago.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. If, either if it's frozen or fresh, it doesn't make any difference, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so that kind of is a nod to what I asked earlier about baking enough or cooking enough for a multiple meal and then freezing them and pulling it out a week later or 10 days later or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. I know when I was ready to have a baby, I would do meals ahead so my family wouldn't starve while I was gone. Or my mother wouldn't have to feed all the kids and everybody all the time. Because yes. mothers coming in for taking care of a family while you're out having a baby, they're not used to doing that as much anymore. <laughs> Jennifer, we need to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute.
1: We appreciate our listeners, and we encourage you to share this podcast with your friends. Invite them to join with us each week as we share ideas and answer questions that other mothers have sent us. We appreciate you, our listeners. We depend on you to send us your thoughts, questions, and experiences so that we can share them with other mothers during the podcast. Please reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or directly at podcast at We look forward to hearing from you so that we can answer your question, share ideas, thoughts, or even a video, mom to mom.
0: Welcome back, I'm Deanne Taylor. And today we are talking with Jennifer Harrington about what mothers can do to plan ahead to feed their family. Jennifer, I know most mothers have a major dilemma with getting some of their children to eat. They seem to have those picky eaters to deal with that won't eat anything that they prepare for them. Any ideas what we can do about these wonderful children?
2: I've had picky eaters in my home and it's very difficult. And sometimes it takes years for them to get over. My one son, what finally broke him was he went to summer camp and he saw other kids eating foods that he wouldn't try at home. And he's like, oh, I guess they're okay. Cause these kids are eating them. And he was, he was broken of that. But until that happens, moms can do a lot of different things. One thing we have to remember is that if your child is on the growth chart and they're normal, they're probably getting enough nutrients. A lot of moms as a as a clinician, I had a lot of moms come in, My my kid won't eat meat or my kid won't eat this, or they won't eat that. And I'm very worried about them. So sometimes kids go through a phase where they'll only eat a certain thing for a while. And as long as they're on the growth chart and other blood studies and everything are fine, they'll go through a phase. Kids go through phases and that's okay. But as moms, I encourage moms to always be Pushing their kids to try something new in a positive way. So remember that it takes 10 tries for the taste buds to be comfortable with a new food. So if you offer your child something maybe like, I don't know, sweet potatoes and they haven't had sweet potatoes before, it's probably going to be about 10 times that they try them before their taste buds their, will get used to the taste. Their um, their mouths will get used to the texture and be comfortable with that. So I would encourage moms to just say, Hey, this is something we eat. Have one bite of it today, just one bite and see how, see how it feels today. When my kids were little, we used to tell them, when there was a meal that they didn't like, you got to have one for your brain, one for your heart, and one for your stomach, one bite for each. And and then they would tell us, to, you know, I would say, does your brain like it this time? And they'd say, no. <laughs> does your heart like it this time? No. Does your stomach like it? No. But well, we'll try it again another time. Sometimes that's a good way to go. Sometimes kids are too stubborn even to do that. Right,
0: right. I had a friend <laughs> who I learned this from. Everybody, whether you want it or not, you take a no thank you bite. Mm-hmm. If, if someone's taken time to fix it, you have a no-thank-you bite. I will taste it, but no-thank-you, I don't really want. It. That's and beautiful. My children were pretty acceptable of that, but I like your three bites, your mind, your your heart, and your stomach. That's another good way to build a tolerance. Do you want to say mm-hmm. build a tolerance for new foods or the desire to even try or, or not being scared to try? Both of those are good ideas to help children Recognize, and adults too. How many times do I go, I'm not a sushi lover, but i tried it. But okay, I'm not going to eat it anymore.
2: Very important. The other thing parents can do is get the kids involved in shopping with them. So when my kids were younger, I would take them around the vegetable and fruit aisle and say, pick out something you want to try. And we're going to look it up. And we're going to figure out how to cook it or prepare it. And we had some really interesting things that I had never had. We had star fruit and passion fruit and some different vegetables, jacama, I think you say. And um
0: okay jicama
2: jicama jicama <laughs> see no, i don't it's even it's know that, how to say an, it but it's, a, it's
0: an h jicama
2: jicama it must be a um maybe like a south american type of i don't know
0: i'll have to look that up for you yes. but i'll tell you what let's look at the show notes i'll put the description of that in the show notes <laughs> but dad loved jicama
2: See, I had never had it until one of my kids picked it out in the vegetable aisle, and then we learned how to cook it together. So if kids are doing things like that, they're more likely to try something new and to branch out rather than always eating the, the same exact thing that they've been eating.
0: That's a really good idea. them an opportunity to explore in mm-hmm. the process.
2: One right. thing that, that I find as a clinician that a lot of parents do is they let their kids drink their calories through the day. And then they don't understand why the kids won't eat a meal at night with the family or try different foods. But those little bellies are full of the calories from the juice, which really aren't filled calories. You know, they don't have the fiber and as many vitamins as a fruit or a meal would. So I really encourage parents to try to get their kids to drink more water because I find the kids who are drinking more water are more likely to try new foods.
0: Well, that's a really good idea. Thank you so much. Do you have any information you can share with us? We could put in the show notes where mothers might be able to go to find more information.
2: I do because I'm part of the, the Nutritional Outreach Fellowship this year. There are some resources with that. They have a few videos. They have videos on diabetics, the videos on the my plate method that are really easy, accessible, and I'll provide those links for you. And that way you can invite moms to look at those.
0: Okay, I'll put those in the show notes. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining us today. We look forward to having you on again next week when we discuss more about feeding our families nutritiously.
2: Yeah, have a great day. Thank you for having me.
3: Calling all moms of fifth graders, friends of fifth graders, teachers who teach fifth graders and any mom who is connected with her school in any way, the National Fifth Grade Essay Contest opens on August 15th of this year. In order to enter, go to americanmothers.org, click on what we do at the top, and then click on National Fifth Grade Essay Contest. All the material will pop up. It's very easy to fill out the entry form, upload your child's essay, and submit it. Again, the contest begins August 15th and closes on December 15th.
0: Does everything at every meal need to be nutritious? How can I get my picky eater interested in eating other things? Jennifer Harrington will be back with us next week, and we will delve into these topics and more. Be sure to join us. See then. At the end of each podcast, we have been sharing statements from our 2022 State Mothers of the Year. Each of the mothers were interviewed and asked questions about their mothering experience. We appreciate American Mothers Second Vice President, Sabrina Wisher-DeWitt, for doing this and providing the videos for us to share with our listeners. We hope you can relate to and learn from these amazing mothers.
3: My name is Antoinette Sands, and I am the Alabama Mother of the Year for
0: 2022. (laughs) So what is something unique about life as a mom for you?
3: What is something unique as a mom? Well, I would say I have children ranging from the age of seven all the way to almost 20. So I have this paradigm of one in college, high school, middle school, and elementary school. So I feel like the convergence of motherhood is hugely on my mind right now. But when it comes to unique, I would say there's something new all the time. If you're in a job situation, You learn your skill and you do it. But when you're a mom, you just learn, you just keep learning because the stage, just when you feel like you've got one stage down, you work on to the next stage. I think that's definitely the unique thing is that you're just, you're constantly in progress, constantly having to learn.
0: So what surprises you most about being a mom?
3: What surprises me most about being a mom is how much of my heart How much of my heart, sorry, I'm going to cry. (laughs) How much of my heart gets involved? You hear cliches, but until you're a mom, you don't realize how true they are. And the one about, you know, when you have children, your heart is carried around in someone else's skin. I think that the ability to have your heart and love someone or several people so much, but then also know that you don't have the ultimate control in the end, I think that was so surprising. I just didn't realize how much of me it would grow and how much of me, I guess I would say the love factor. I guess if you would imagine the Grinch just growing and growing and growing, you, you, your heart grows in the process.
0: So what is something you discovered about yourself through your motherhood journey?
3: Something I discovered about myself in my motherhood journey is that I knew a lot less than I thought. You know, it's so easy to say I would do this or I would do that when you're not in the situation, but the game changes when you're actually in it. So I think perhaps part of that is also becoming much less judgmental and a lot more willing to learn and be teachable.
1: Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others.
0: The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom-to-Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.